Hello and welcome to Parkour Ed. This is Colin Daly and today is Wednesday, June 7th, 2023. I have a special guest with me here today and I'm going to let him introduce himself starting with his name. Hello, uh, Colin. I'm Michael Bertolo and not Bertolut or something else. <laughs> Bertolo. Yes. Okay, so for an American, how would I pronounce that? Ber- Bertolot? You, you mean how you pronounce it the English way? Yeah, how, how would I pronounce it? Mm, there's no English way. Actually. All right, so the French way is? Bertolo. It is a pleasure to have you. Thank you for agreeing to come in and talk with us today here on Parkour Ed. This is a podcast where we sit down with people from the IFS community, teachers, staff members, administrators, service personnel, anybody really who's part of our community, and we find out from the time they were born until today what led wow. them here. So it's an all-encompassing journey. Let's get started. Let's start with the easy questions. Okay. Where were you born? So I was born in Dunkerque. Okay. You know Dunkerque? It's very famous. Yeah, it's a city from the north of France. So very north of France, the north of the north. What year were you born? In 1980. And so did you grow up there in the city itself? I mean, I spent like 20 years there. So grew up there and also studied until the high school there. Your parents are from Dunkirk. Now it's right on the ocean, right? Yes. So, uh, did you have like an ocean lifestyle, or mm, I, I'm not a did surfer. You come from a if, family of fishermen. Yeah. If, if it's what you're asking. <laughs> yeah. How is the surfing in Dunkirk? I don't know. Yeah, it's great actually. It is okay. No, I mean there's some wind. Okay. So, so wind surfing. There, there could be some good waves, but it's not like perfect. Now the north is known for its. It has a gradual slope, right? So do they yeah. do like what they call wind? Carding, like charavoil, do they do that? Yeah, they do that. And we have also a special sport in Dunkirk. It's called speed sail. Oh, speed sail, okay. Yeah. And it's very famous. Everybody is doing that. Yeah. Because, you know, they have those beaches that are really flat, so you can go really quick. It's really impressive. You can go up to 100 kilometers per hour. That's amazing. Yeah. So you grew up next to the water? Was that a big part of your life? Mm, uh, I mean, I was close enough to right. go when I wanted, but I was not close to the water every day. I see what you mean. 10 kilometers from there. Tell mm, us not, a little bit about your family. Not that much. I have one sister, and that's all. Okay. Uh, yeah. Same as me. I yeah. have one sister. <laughs> Little and sister, yeah. I have a big sister. <laughs> Two kids in the family and yeah. quite a long stretch in the same place, you know, no moving around. Yeah, because my parents, they have a fixed job right. there. So they are, you know, that's kind of people who were not changing job because you have to keep that for as long as possible. Yeah. So we were from that region. All my family previously was from that region too. So it was normal for me at that time to stay there. Bertolot is a French name. Is yeah. it French from that region or is it just a global? I French think name? so. I haven't made any research actually, but oh. the name is famous for being from the north of France All and right. also part of Belgium too. What was your mother's maiden name? It was Wallace. Wallace? Yes. Well, that's British, isn't it? it sounds so. Sounds British. Anyway. Yeah, yeah. Okay, with a W. No, no, just W-A-E-L-E-S. Ah, okay. Interesting. The way of spelling sounds different, but in the north of France, we say Wallace. Wallace. Okay, now in your region, near Dunkirk, do people speak Shti? Do they speak the language? 
It's not really shti. It's like the kind of a patois. Yeah, patois from Dunkerque. <laughs> oh, I see. In fact, a bad version of French. <laughs> Is that something you grew up hearing, or did you speak it at all with your friends? It's or? not. Yeah, it's like more slang than real language. So there is some expressions, things like this, but nothing really special. What kind of work did your parents do to stay for 20 years in the same place? Were they teachers as well? Uh, no, my dad was a truck driver, a oh, lorry okay. driver, yeah. and he was working just in the region. So it was like really random job, yeah. but he do it that all his life. Oh, great. And my mother, she was selling objects okay. you know, in yeah. a big shop <laughs> Great, <laughs> like this. A lot of our colleagues are from the north, Nord Pas de Calais. I've yes. interviewed quite a few people from... Uh, yeah, not, m yeah, many people are from Lille. Yeah, even our, our proviseur is... Uh, yeah, uh, I didn't know that. Yeah, he's uh, from, if I remember correctly, L'Empire. Originally, L'Empire is a small village. I do, uh, in I don't know this one. <laughs> And uh, yeah, Soraya, a Spanish teacher, is from, okay. from that, that region. Yeah, a lot of people, if you go back and listen to past episodes, we've got quite a good group of Norsemen and women. I, I should know them more. Win <laughs> so winter is coming. Well, hopefully they'll come towards you when they hear this okay. episode. They'll bring you into the fold. So I take it you went through the classic French system. Yeah. Now, France and the United States have very different systems, and there's mm -hmm. a public system that yeah. starts very young, a garderie. Uh, um, yeah. So not everybody goes to school at a very young age in France, mm -hmm. but where did you find yourself in that spectrum? Did you start really early, like in yeah. toute petite section maternelle? Or did yeah, you yeah go? I started uh, well, as my parents were working like every day. There, yeah. were, there was no, not a lot of holidays, so... Once it was possible for them to put us at the school, then we did go to the school. So I went at the school for the first time, I think I was one and a half. Oh, okay. But not school, just garderie. Garderie, <laughs> but, but organized and structured and socializing. Yeah. and Yeah, like this. I have so much respect for the French system. I believe that's something that my country could benefit from. Our kids start so late uh, mm. in the public system. I was already in Grand Section for just a half a day when I started okay. school. It's just, for some kids, that's just too late, mm. you know. But uh, even as far as going to school early and taking years off at the back end, because I, I believe that the maternelle years are very important for yeah, kids. For the development, yeah. Development. And then you went to primary school. Was it a small school or yeah, it was the neighborhood school of school? my village. <laughs> school of your village. Now, is Dunkirk uh, an agglomeration of villages or is it an urban center? During the first five years of my life, I grew up in the city itself. Okay. So my parents had an apartment in Dunkirk. So I was going to school where they were living. They decided uh, to buy a house in the countryside of Dunkirk. And it was a good choice for them because at that time we were living in part of the city that was famous for its diversity. Yeah. But later and nowadays, it's really uh, part of the city with difficulties, you know. I understand. I understand. Many troubles and things like this. So, so I think they also moved because they feel that it was changing, you know. So it was a relief for me at that time because I was able to go outside and play with friends. More open space? Yeah, it is like completely flat, this region. You okay. Know? There's nothing. It's completely flat. Right. So only fields and mud to play yeah. in. A lot of agriculture up there as well? Yeah, so lots, a lot. A lot of agriculture. Behind potatoes. My... I know potatoes are a big part of the region, <laughs> I assume. Actually, it's more the betrave à sucre. Betrave à sucre. Well, that must be sugar beets. Yeah. yeah, I think so. Yeah, they <laughs> grow them in my region too, in the United yeah. States. It, it's easy. You just... Put the seed and then wait. <laughs> the soil is really rich there. Yeah. So then you went to uh, college, obviously middle school. 
Yeah. Did everybody from your primary school go to the same middle school? Or mm, actually not, because there was several different districts in Dunkirk. So when you are living in the countryside, then you have to decide which school you want to go. And normally you are attached to the closest one to your home. Mm -hmm. But when you're in the countryside, then everything is far. So you can more or less choose. So my parents just choose the closest one. <laughs> Makes sense. So I go to the public school for the middle school and high school and taking the bus every day. Taking the bus. Always the bus. Did you have like a mobilette, a moped no. or a bicycle or anything? No, the bus I every day. Getting up every day, 5.55 every ah, day, yes. taking the bus. It forges six, one five, character, one's yeah. character, right? Yeah. Builds discipline. But yeah, from, yeah, from CZM to... Class préparatoire. All the way. Every, the same, same can, time every day. I can imagine that region in the wintertime is pretty dark and rainy too, right? Mm, uh, yeah. The sun comes up at uh, 10 a.m. and goes down at uh, 2 p.m. kind of thing. No, maybe not 2 p.m. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's A true. bit of an exaggeration. It's very far north. Yeah, it's bad memories, this. But summertime, it must be nice. It's nice in summertime. But during the wintertime, then when you are a child, you leave your home, it's completely dark then you go back home it's completely dark again for our you students don't see the day, so. for our students here they're used to the 7 a.m sunrise 7 p.m sunset they yeah. don't they don't realize what it's like to live in a, mm, sure. a place that's so dark in the winter and say yeah. i came from a northern region it, in the united states it's the same thing and it stays dark during the day because the clouds are so yeah. present all the time all the time the sun just yeah. seems to skirt around the horizon it doesn't ever really rise up high. You cannot but. see the difference between the sky and... <laughs> exactly, <laughs> exactly. After college, normal college, yeah. and then you went off to lycée. Now, yeah. was that one of the type of lycée where everybody from your college went to the same lycée, or once again did everybody yeah. go in different directions? Like this. Uh, as far as friendships are concerned, did you have good school friends, or were your friends like neighborhood friends? Or uh, I had some uh, neighbors from my village that were going to the same school as me, but not okay. much. Right. And uh, I met some friends in the college, and some of them went to the same high school as me. You know, at that age, you can make easily new true, friends. True. That it was not a problem. What type of activities were you into when you were in school? Were you a theater kid? Were you a music kid? Uh, were you a sports kid? No, I think already at that Art. time, I was more interested by science. Already at that time. What type of baccalaureate did you work towards? I know they all have different titles. Yeah. ABC or A. No, I'm it, not that old. <laughs> ah, I know, I know, I'm dating myself. I made back S. S, like, oh, science. Yeah, yeah scientific. Yeah. In fact, when I was at the college, I was more like a normal student, but with, with the year passing, I was more and more attracted by sciences. And then I really became a good student from second. Because I was more focused on this, and it was interesting for me. It was like natural, you know. I didn't have to make too much effort to get good results. So for me, it was really like easy peasy. <laughs> great, great. Yeah, you know. And what was your experience with foreign language? Because nobody likes to hear someone say, oh, your English is very good. But, uh. but as an impartial observer, your, your English is fine. You speak very fluently, <laughs> easy to understand. And that's not the case for everybody mm. in France. So when did that happen? And what experience do you have with foreign language? Actually, I was a really bad student when I was at the high school. Yeah. One of the reasons was the proximity of the sea. Uh, ah, the surfing. The call not of the, the surf? surfing. <laughs> uh, in fact, between the sea and uh, my high school, there was a stretch of sand, you know, with the sand dunes. Yeah. And we used with my friends 
to go there to just spend some time yeah. juggling because I was juggling at the time. Okay. And then during the English classes, we were like... Skipping. Skipping. Uh, I see, I see. <laughs> so I was a bad student in English at that time. Really? Yeah. So my uh, English level improved later when I decided to move abroad. So you moved abroad. Now in the French system, mm -hmm. you have to take more than one foreign language, yeah. right? So did you take German as well? No, I took Spanish and Latin also. Spanish and Latin. I was attracted by Spanish because I felt that the opportunities were higher than with German. More Hispanophone countries, right? Uh, yeah. Spanish-language countries. All yeah. of South America and Central America. Like this. And yeah. once you, learn, you have learned another Latin language, then you see the roots and you can guess words in other languages. Like right. Italian, you can guess the thing when you read the text. Then you can guess... You cannot speak, but you can guess. When you were in high school, you were working towards a back S. That's more math, science. Mm -hmm. What was your groove? Did you like math? Did you like chemistry, physics? Or did you just like it all? Or computer science? Or what yeah, was um, the thing that you liked the most? The most was physics and chemistry. Physics and chemistry. Yeah. All right. For sure. I, I was really Im impressed by the teacher. They were making nice things. And I wanted to do the same and yeah. improve myself in understanding how the things are working. So I was really into that. And I was thinking that it was my way to go and continue in that field later on. But my mathematics teachers told me, No, you have to continue maths. They're protecting their territory. <laughs> Because I was good at maths. Right. But as I told you, it was more natural. But I wasn't really interested by the maths. It was just like mind exercise that was interesting, but not that much for I me. I see. I prefer to practice and see how it works and things like this. The experimentation side, yeah. the manipulation, the, mm -hmm. the elements and things. That sounds logical. We're lucky here at IFS. Our students have a whole orientation department they talk to kids and say well if you like this maybe you should go in this mm -hmm. direction i know for people my age i'm a little older than you are and probably people your age as well that wasn't as common to have a certain kind of orientation after high school what do you want yeah. to do after high school so mm. what did you choose to do after you finished you got your baccalaureate yeah i then, got the baccalaureate and then mm, my two teachers the one of maths and one the one of physics told me you should do this and you should do this so I had to make a choice and my math teachers speaking loudly I don't know yeah so I had better arguments or yeah, so won the debate <laughs> yeah I don't know exactly in fact to be honest there was a third way for me oh. but I was discouraged by a doctor <laughs> I wanted to be a pilot uh, because my dream was to go in the stars <laughs> the first step for doing that was to go in the right school the schools for the pilots but to enter that you have uh, entry uh, uh, physical uh, yeah physical yeah are, there was a, like a concours oh yes uh, like an eliminatory exam yeah. so that they like have a certain this. amount of spaces they have space for 100 people 500 people like take this. the test yes. and they take the 100 best so there was this part the yeah. selection the, the, and it was on several parts you have the written parts but you have the physical parts and also just uh, examination of your body. Are you able to be pilot physically? So I went to see my doctor and say, I want to do this, but the preparation is a bit expensive, so I have to pay for this preparation. So before I'm doing anything, can you tell me if I can be pilot? And he expects lots of aspects and things, and he say no. 
because my my eyes were not good enough and it was really disappointing for me because it was it just formality i will go and he said no you cannot you need a really perfect vision to be a pilot my dream is broken oh, no. and he has broken it and so i went to class preparatoire instead <laughs> Class préparatoire. Now, prépa, as they call it in yeah. French, I'm very familiar with it after talking to many people over the years, but most non-French people don't realize how traumatic <laughs> a prépa can be. I mean, not for everybody, perhaps, but I've heard many stories. How did yeah. you fare? Did you come out okay? Or uh, <laughs> scarred for life? <laughs> yeah, in positive and negative way, both sides. Yeah, it's challenging, but I would do it again. You if, would? If I had the choice then I would start again. What are some of the positive aspects of a prepa? I've heard stories about how hard it is and how critical mm -hmm. the instructors can be and how you're faced with failure yeah, on the, a nearly daily basis, right? Yeah, every day. So does it teach you how to deal with criticism or failure? The most difficult part when you start the school year is failing for the first time. I mean... After the high school, then it was quite easy f for the students who are going to prepa. Before, it's supposed to be quite easy for them, like good notes, averages, right. etc. And then you arrive, and then your first evaluation is 2 over 20. And say, wow, I've never had... Uh, you never such got. You've never been given such a poor grade, yeah. and for the first time, so you're it, faced it with that. It was really unbelievable for me. So the kids who were getting 2 out of 20 in high school wouldn't even have had a chance to get in the room with the group yeah. of you and prepa, right? So, yeah, so, so you kind of get a taste of what the other kids had been feeling. Yeah, maybe. <laughs> I, I don't know. <laughs> not a good feeling, is it? <laughs> yeah, not a good one. And then every day is like this. You have to prove that you're not that bad every day. And you have such an amount of things to learn in such a short time. And it's never stopping. What type of percentage of success is it if you have 100 kids going in after what is it one or two years is it two years for a prepa it's two years normally. so the 100 go in and then two years later how many finish mm, i think it really depends on the school my prepa was in dakar so we were 20 and then the first year and then maybe 15 the year after but there were i don't know between five or ten left from the year before. Because oh, who are redoing. Yeah. Like they're doing it going into their third, fourth, fifth, yeah. tenth year. Or whatever. Because on the, at the end of the second year, then you go to this selection process. Yeah. For the different school, you have to do a different concours. And then some of the people want to have a precise school. So they prefer to do a second year again than go in school they don't want. Did you go through both years of the prepa? At the end of the two years, there was a school in Lille that I wanted to go. So I say, okay, I will just do this one. I will just try this one. If I get it the first year, then fine. If I don't have it, then I will do something else. <laughs> I didn't want it to do a third year I in understand. prepa. It was too hard. Yeah. And I hadn't um, a lot of uh, money to spend in different concours. So I say, okay, I put all my energy in this one, and then I'll get it. And that's what happened. And you got it. Yeah. That's <laughs> great. So then you went to school in Lille. Yes. Which is a big university town. I hear it's a, yeah. it's a great place to study. A lot of yeah, students from sure. all over the place. It's one of the, I don't know how many cities in France that have really a big students community, but it's one of them. For and, sure. and it's easy access to Paris. It's got a high-speed rail. Yeah, going one hour. I've never been. It's a place that I want to visit. 
Yeah, it's it's really preferably good. in the summertime. Yeah, <laughs> but any time of the year, it's very welcoming, and there's a lot of things to do, cultural okay. activities, bars. <laughs> How long did you spend in Lille? I arrived there in 2003, and then I left Lille in 2011. A good eight years, N not just as a student, though. No, I arrived there in 2001, so 10 years. Okay. And then three years as a student. What was the name of the school in Lille that you went to? It was called Polytech Lille. Polytech Lille. With a uh, university school, and at the end, you got an engineer diploma. So I have this uh, diploma in automatism and microelectronics. So once you finished your studies in Lille, you continued to live there? Yeah, because, you know, at that time, it was a bit hard for the IT engineers, because there was uh, the 2000-year effect. Is that Y2K, when all the computers were supposed to go haywire, because they yeah. only had two digits programmed for Yeah, the, like this. The so, at that time, in 2K, they hired a lot of IT guys everywhere, in every society, and then, after that, they hired nobody anymore ah, because see. they had enough people right. already they, they hired too many probably yeah. thinking that the y2k problem would be bigger than it actually was it turned exactly. out not to be as dramatic well, um, as they had planned right like this yes uh -huh. so at that time it was a bit hard to get a job so i was already working since i'm 16 so i had different experiences in different things so i continued that after my graduation And parallel, I found a job in the black market for IT guy who kind was working alone. Under so, the table? Uh, yeah. Like, okay. Yeah, I've part-time declared, part-time not declared. I see, I see. So it's, it was good for one year, and then I was hired by a company, uh, Informatics uh, Service so Enterprise. Giving digital solutions to companies? Yeah. Is yeah, it like exactly. B, B2B, business to business? Exactly, B2B business, oh, okay. yes. So uh, I was working there as a consultant, then project manager. <laughs> like, like, yes, right. I guess, project manager. All right. And I stayed there seven years, and it was in Lille. That brings us up to 2011. Yeah. And so what could possibly have torn you away from <laughs> Lille? Yeah, I was a bit fed up with that job because, you know, once you get old in an enterprise, then you got more responsibility and then you see the bad side of the enterprise too. Right. So when you are starting to manage people and when you have to fire people yeah. for the bad reason, you start to get a bit depressed about this. I was also attracted by traveling and during that time I was traveling a lot during my holidays but also for work. So I spent, at that time, one year in Morocco to build a team there for my company in Casablanca. Casablanca. I've yeah. never been. I'd love to go. It seems like a wonderful it, place. It's a strange place. Is it? Is it? Okay. <laughs> really lively and full of surprise. <laughs> what type of living situation did you have? Did you have your own apartment or were you coming and going? Were at that, at that time, the apartment was paid by the company. Okay. So it was quite easy going. I was able to keep my flat in Lille and then go back sometimes. At that time, I was not wondering about the plane travels and all that. <laughs> right, right. So I was just taking it up. You weren't as conscious environmentally as Ex you are Exactly. Now. We'll talk more about that in a bit. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> if we have time. Oh, I hope we do. Yeah. So you went to Morocco for a year, helped mm. set up a team, did, mm. did work there, and did that give you more ideas? For going abroad, yes. I wanted to continue living abroad, meet new cultures and meet new people also. And so I told my company, that, which was quite big, to say, oh, okay, send me abroad again and let's do that. But they wanted me to stay in France 
because most of their clients were in France. That was really difficult because after my experience in Morocco, they sent me everywhere in France. So every week I was going to a city, then another, then another. I was never in Lille again. And during the weekend, I was just thinking about partying to forget the work. And yeah. it was really busy life. Amazing sometimes, really hard other times, but I wasn't completely myself at that time. Did you still have a network of school friends or childhood friends or new friends? Yeah, I still have friends there, but most of my friends have changed. You know, most of my friends from the big school changed their life too. One of them is now a baker. Another one is English teacher. And these were all IT engineers. There was one left. (laughs) (laughs) Only one left. And he has a big career. He's now working at Microsoft. Yeah, after working in Singapore. So you came back from Morocco. They sent you all over France, and you were Mm -hmm. kind of going in all directions, but not feeling satisfied by that. Yeah. Overall. Yeah. And so, what was the moment where you jumped across the big pond? There was uh, several events. You know, I'm really looking after signs. And sometimes there are several signs that show you you have to do something else. And so one of the signs was that the apartment where I was living was going to be sold and we had to leave because the new owner wanted to take over the place. Right. Now we, when you say we, roommates or did you have a partner or? My partner, yes. Your partner. Okay. (laughs) Which is still the same today. Same, Same partner. Yeah. Yes. Uh, and so together there was other events, more like personal events, sure. like the loss of somebody. So we decided to go see abroad very far. So I quit my job, like sabbatical year, to shake a bit the thing. And my partner Adeline, who uh, we know because she yeah. also is at school <laughs> at, exactly. at IFS, yes. And so our contract was ending. So, you know, all the signs, the loss, the ending of the contract, the ending of the lease, everything was going together more or less at the same time. We catch this opportunity to do something new. So we decided to put all our stuff in a box (laughs) just for one year at the beginning. And then we went to Asia for one year. Just traveling like backpackers, you know, it was in 2012. Where did you go first? In Thailand. When we decided to go to Asia, we told ourselves it would be nice to start easily. And we know that Thailand was famous for being a, a great place. And it was. So we spent really good time. And then we traveled all on foot and train and bus, but no plane at all during okay. one year, more or less. And that was a conscious decision to travel over land, not using planes. As less as possible. Because there was this consciousness of reducing the impact that was starting the carbon to grow. F- carbon footprint and yeah. environmental impact. And we wanted to do it slowly, you know? Yeah. Because when you are traveling slowly, then you can see the different landscape changing you can see how the people are changing too you can really feel the differences between one place and another taking the plane is like you switch instantly to something else and it's not like i don't feel that normal you can feel that it's interesting that you know when you are going from brazil all the way down to uruguay then you feel the difference of the language. You switch to Spanish slowly. And even in the south of Brazil, the Portuguese start to mix with the Spanish. And then yeah. in Uruguay, the Spanish turns to Portuguese sometimes. 
really interesting to feel that slowly, slowly. So you arrived in Thailand, you traveled for a year in Thailand mostly? No, all over uh, Southeast Asia. Southeast Asia. You know, right. with the visas, you cannot stay too long in a, oh, that's right, the that's same right. country. So we went to Thailand, Cambodia, Laos, Vietnam, go back Cambodia because we had to cross. Yeah. <laughs> go back Thailand, uh-huh. then Malaysia, Singapore, uh, and then Sumatra, Java. Right. And then they run out of uh, visas because we spent like three months in Indonesia and right. we were not able to stay more. Right. So where did you go after that three-month stint in Indonesia? Did you go back to France? No, we go back to Bangkok. <laughs> okay, Thailand, yeah. And then from there we went to China. And then from there we, the plan was to go back to Europe by train. Oh, really? So where did you go in China? Several different places? Or? So just Beijing, Beijing and uh, okay. Shanghai. Okay. And then we took the train in Shanghai to Ulaanbaatar. We spent again like one or two months, I don't remember exactly, to Mongolia. And Traveling then, all around Mongolia? Yeah, with oh, the trek. That must have been amazing. It was. <laughs> <laughs> then the plan was to cross all Russia with the Trans-Siberian, but my passport was full. So the Russian refused me the visa because of oh, this. No. Was not able to get a new visa. The ambassador was not able to get the diplomatic case I see. quickly enough. I so see. we went to Nepal okay. for two months. Uh, Nepal let you in with a full passport. And I made like extension of the passport in Nepal. Uh-huh. And it, it, it was okay because the only stamp, it was on arrival. So I see. we didn't have to ask before. Ah, the visa. okay. So they just stamped on top yeah. of something. I see. And then I extended the passport there. And then it was time to go back because we had some administrative problem in France. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> so we went back like in 2012, maybe in January. I don't remember exactly. So then you went back to Lila. Were your boxes covered yeah. in dust and your yeah. your life? Did you just try to pick up where you left off? Or yeah, but that must have been some heavy re-entry shock, right? Yeah, it was. How, how long had your trip been? Over a year? Or yeah, like a year. Like a year. Okay. Yeah. We had to go back because of those administrative problems, and going back was really really hard. It was the other things I've done. Because you've lived one year out of the system, almost. Then you go back, everybody is still in. <laughs> right. And then you try to explain what you've been living for one year, and it's impossible. And they're very curious for two minutes. For two minutes? Only for two minutes. Yeah. Like, Tell me about your trip. Uh, yeah. <laughs> and then two minutes later, it's like, oh, okay, I, that's, that's fine. I, I that's told enough. you about my new car. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, right. Yeah, it was yeah. really, really hard yeah. Yeah, because nobody was under- understanding us. Even our parents, they were happy to see us. But their only question was, okay, so where will you settle again? What you will do? What's, what will be your job? Right. And we say, we don't want to work anymore. <laughs> 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 we just want to be free. <laughs> yeah. Uh, so it was our time to go back. Even as French, when we go back to Lille, we say, okay, let's take a flat. And it was impossible. Because you'd been gone for so long? You had because no history? You, uh, you have no... No credit rating? Uh, yeah, you have no job. No job, you have yeah. no You have no address. You want one. So they say, okay, I will find a, an apartment. Then you are looking, but what's your job? I don't have a job for the moment. I need an address so then I can maybe stay stable for a month and then find a job. No, you need a job to have a flat. Yeah, uh, okay, so how can it's I do it? catch 22. Yeah, it's yeah. Hard, to, hard to figure out. So what did you do? So we 
sublet a flat of a friend, something like this. And after a few months, we decided to change the life again. <laughs> so we took our backpacks again and we went to French Guiana. <laughs> All right. Yeah. Okay. Like uh, Tantelli. Like Tantelli, like yes. Like Tantelli. Yeah. In the previous episode, he talked about uh, yeah. Guiana, French Guiana. So you went there. Yeah, with the backpacks. And we decided to settle in Saint-Laurent-du-Maroni, right. which is a city close to the border with Suriname. And tried to stay there for a while. So slowly, slowly, we find the house, then the car and the job. So, so were you doing IT work? No. There? No. No. Okay. Uh, at that time, I decided to be a photographer. <laughs> All right. And you're still a photographer. Yeah, you still, still take pictures. Yeah. yeah. At that time, it was professionally because I was photographer since uh, like 2005. And during the year in Asia, I developed more my practice, like how I can be professional. So it was a year to test that also. I wanted to go further and develop that as a real activity, like with an enterprise. And So you're in French Guiana working as a photographer. Yeah. Is it your own business that you set Yeah, up? it was my own business. And how did you structure it? Was it photographer for hire? Was it artistic uh, photography? Was it corporate? Yeah. What? In France, we have different stages for when you are alone as an enterprise. Yeah. And for artists, you can choose more or less which status is the most adapted to your activity. Okay. And you have to choose wisely because then the taxes are adapted to the activity. I see, I see. And so I choose the author status. It's allowing you to sell rights on your pictures. All right. So basically, it's that. You make pictures, and then you say the rights of, use, of using your picture. I see. And so, so any potential client can purchase the right to use yeah. your pictures? Yeah, okay. and you, you pay only on that. And how long did you do that? I think I did that for six or seven years. In French Guiana? Not in French Guiana. Oh, okay. You moved For two and a half years. Two and a half years. Guiana. All right. Yeah. And you decided to move on after that? Yeah. So, so all right. I'm curious. <laughs> so, Keep telling me. Where did you go next? So we were interested to discover South America at that time. All right. And so we already spent a few months in Brazil learning Portuguese. We decided to discover more of Brazil. So when we left French Guiana, we went to Brazil. And for traveling, like for six months there, all the way from north to deep south, still working at the same time because I was working for a website. So it was quite easy going, working, then going on. It was right. really a nice right. life. So we went all the way to Brazil, Uruguay, Argentina and Chile, but um, not a lot of places because it was really, really busy. It was high season when we arrived in Argentina. So it was really nice in Brazil, it was really nice in Uruguay, but in Argentina and Chile, we had to book in advance the accommodation. A lot of tourists, right? Lots of tourists, book everything in advance, and it was not our way of traveling. We just want to arrive somewhere. If we don't like, then we go somewhere else. I so we decided to go back to France. It was in 2014. Okay. At the time, again, new question, arriving in France again. Nobody's understanding you again. What should we do? <laughs> Were you able to continue your photography business back yeah. in France too? Or is yeah, that sustainable? And There's always something to do. When you have some ideas, then you can always do something. That's my philosophy. You That's, can do anything. <laughs> I agree. I agree. That's what I've learned thanks to the prepa. Even if you are down, you can still try to go up. It's something 
that you can only learn by doing something really bad. <laughs> <laughs> well, that's very interesting. Thank you yeah. for sharing that with me because it gives me a different perspective. I've heard so many negative things about the yeah. experiences linked to uh, prepa, but uh, at the it's, same time, it's only when we're pushed to our limits that we find out what we can really do. Yeah, and you learn to learn. That's the only thing you learn is that. You learn that you can learn and you can never stop learning. There is always something you can do to improve or find a way a solution so some people that know me uh, say i'm a positive guy because i'm always saying you can do something this you can the i don't see the empty glasses i see yeah you're this, this glass is empty no you can fill it full of things yeah. even if it's empty so uh, it's a way of life and i think part of my way of thinking uh, has been constructed at that time well that's great yeah so back to france and you and didn't stay there, we know that. Yeah, so what we did is that we bought a van. <laughs> All right. And we decided to go to Morocco again. A van. Okay, so yeah. was it, are we talking Volkswagen? Are we talking Renault Espace? No, no, we are talking trafic? about... <laughs> we are talking about the grandpa van. <laughs> the grandpa van. <laughs> yeah. No, it was like comfortable van. So okay. it was really not expected, but, you know, life is like this. We were coming from the plane almost from our trip to South America, and we went deep in the countryside of the north, where in the Adelines region, and we passed through this small garage who was selling like camping cars, and campers, and yeah. vans. And then, oh, this one is really new. It's not for us. One month after, it was ours. <laughs> <laughs> because we made some research. According to our project, finally, it was that one. Great. So, and you uh, drove it all the way to Morocco. Yeah, it took us uh, like uh, six months. <laughs> really? So when you get down, down, I assume you went down through Spain, and then when yeah. you get to the Straits of Gibraltar, yeah. what, you just load it on a ferry? Or? Yeah, you take the ferry and how you long, put the How car long in. does it take to cross? Well, it's not really long. Like I don't remember, maybe three hours. It's really fast. The boats are really going on a regular basis. You went back to Morocco, a place that you knew you felt yeah. comfortable in the north before. Of, yeah, in the north now, of Morocco. Now, had your partner been to Morocco with you? I know you went for work, but had she... She gone with you? Yeah, she was so there, she at, was that there time, at that time. And too. Okay. She's the one who makes me dis discover Morocco oh, because okay. her parents are living there. <laughs> oh, great. Yeah, they are retired and they are living in the north of Morocco. Oh, I see. Always the north. Yeah. yeah they go the from north. the north to the north. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> it's always like this. We keep going to the north. <laughs> All right. And so they're still there. They're in Morocco. Yeah, they're oh, in Morocco great. right now. Oh, wonderful. So we went there to see them and... I didn't found a job there. Okay. <laughs> so we decided to stay. Okay. So we stayed there for one year because she was working. And it was really a good period. I was also working the same, doing pictures. I was making home photography at that time. Okay. So there was good business for this. And after a year, then the passport of the van was out. <laughs> oh, no. We had to go out of the country because the van cannot stay anymore in Morocco. Oh, I didn't realize that you know, it, vehicles had a time yeah. limit or a visa for a vehicle. Yeah. So we planned that a little bit in advance. And we spent seven months after that in uh, Portugal because we liked the Portuguese culture, you know, with right. the Brazil. And we found some similarities with in Portugal. And we really like Portugal. So it could be the next destination. And, and how comfortable were you with the Portuguese language? Was it something that you uh, could converse in? And 
converse like uh, just speaking like easy language three days language it was okay uh -huh. because i was speaking spanish already and right, right. with the practice of several months in brazil it was okay right <laughs> i see so yeah okay so what th that brings us up to what 2015 or 20 what years are we in now mm, we are now in uh, 2017 in fact <laughs> okay so we're in 2017 <laughs> yeah and you're in portugal Yeah, so we decided to go back to Lille because there's an important event that I didn't want to attend. So we go back for that event. You know, it's a sign, so we go there. The event was not what was expected. So again, we have to decide something. So we sell the van <laughs> and we say, okay, what we do now? It was great in French Guiana. The climate was good. We want to find something that is on the same oh, level yes. on Earth. Same latitude. But not with security problem because it was what was difficult in French Guiana. Oh, I see. And so we just check the map and say, okay, at the same level, what there is. So Africa, not ready for this. Yeah. Okay, there's Asia. There's Cambodia, where we spend a lot of time during our first travel. So we say, okay, let's pack the bags and go there. So we did the same as before, took the uh -huh. backpacks and then go there to find something. So you went to Cambodia. Yeah. And were you in Phnom Penh? Yes, in Phnom Penh. Okay. And what did you do in Phnom Penh? I was looking for a job. Okay. okay. I was looking to work as usual with my photography business. Right. But it was not working. Ah, I see. There was too much photographers on the place already that were working for nothing, that were making really, really great job. So it was really hard to find something to do. Right. So I say, okay, maybe it's time to do something new. So I applied to different positions and I was hired as physics and chemistry teacher at the French school. Oh, <laughs> yeah. You've gone back to your roots and the math teacher didn't know about it. But had he known, <laughs> he would have been upset, right? Because yeah, yeah. finally he lost you to physics and chemistry. Yeah. <laughs> so I went back to that. Okay. <laughs> And it was it was hard times. <laughs> the first year was really really oh, I hard. Can, I can imagine, but yeah, yeah. But I was replacing a guy who had to leave because of health reasons, and he had so many places, like seven levels and uh, three different topics. Like oh. it was physics, chemistry, but also IT uh, option. I see. I see. And there was the CGM. Or it was so hard at that time. And then you're. Training from prepa kicked in, and you yeah. said, "Yeah, that you was said this is nothing. I can do this." Yeah, exactly. <laughs> I will do it. I, I will I, do it. I will succeed. And so I survived the first year, which, mm. according to many people, is the most difficult one. Right. And so I say, okay, maybe I can do a second year because it's not bad. I like it, right. kind of. Yeah. And so I continue, and then. After two years, I think I started to feel some pleasure in that. It was not only like prepare the class, be ready, right. because in five minutes it's starting and not ready yet. Yeah. So after two years, it was more like natural and I started to feel something great. So I continued that. I stayed there four years. And that was your last position before coming here to Singapore. Exactly. So when did you arrive here in Singapore? I arrived there in January 2001. Right uh, in the middle of... 21, sorry. <laughs> yeah, 2021. Right in the middle of COVID-19. Yeah, it was kind of the end. It was really a struggle to enter the country. Imagine. Like two months administrative paperwork. And really hard to enter, but it was the end, more or less. Right. 
The beginning of the rise of the rents. <laughs> the beginning of the rise, yes. But quite a difficult time to arrive in Singapore and a difficult mm -hmm. time. There's a lot of changes happening in the school, mm. people leaving, people arriving. Well, because of the pandemic, it yeah. was very hard to get to know people, I assume. I know one of the reasons I started redoing this podcast, I started this podcast many years ago just to learn how to use the equipment. But after COVID, I just decided to start doing it again to meet mm. people and put people in touch with each other because I realized when we all came back to school, there were so many new people and I felt yeah. like I didn't know anybody because we were all behind masks and yeah, this, everything this. was happening via Zoom and it's a bit less personal than it had been in the past. Yeah, this school is particularly difficult for that because everybody is spread in different buildings. Right. So even just see each other is difficult. It uh, is. I can see some people, I see them with the, you know, the badge. Right, right. the employee badge. Yeah, I, I saw them. I see it's a teacher. Or, I never saw him before. That's <laughs> right. That still happens. That happens to me yeah. all the time. And I make an effort to walk around and meet people, but it's hard. Mm. When we arrived, it was a uh, opening again right the first year we succeeded to go out with 10 people <laughs> at the end of the school year <laughs> well that's great and now you continue your photography work less on a professional level now but more still on a personal level yeah i'm back to the first roots my first contact with photography was about cultural photography photographing yeah concerts at the beginning right. then more in french guiana i specialized in theater and dance do you have a platform where you display your work or where people can mm. go and see your stuff or do you keep it for your clients yeah i had the portal for the clients like one link for them and right. then they can see it, is, it is there anything you'd like to share with people listening who might be curious to see what kind of work uh, you do i have a website and it's mikeisfree.net Mike is free. Yeah. M I K E I S F R E E. Exactly. Dot net. Dot net. Okay, I'll put a link in the show notes too, so people yeah, can check um, it out. Yeah, but the website is like seven years old, and <gasps> I've never updated since then. I think so. Well, now, now, <laughs> I, you know, I, now you know what you're going to do this weekend, right? <laughs> I, I, maybe if the students are listening, I hope they won't act the site because <laughs> <laughs> you better put in some security. Get that checked I, out. I haven't checked it since. Now, can you talk a little bit about? Uh, we're running. We're running out of time. Yeah. Uh, we only have a few more minutes, but I'd like you to, can you mention a little bit of what you've been doing since you've arrived? Because it's not just chemistry and physics. It's No, no. It's, I mean, I have learned so much from you mm. since I've met you with the work that you've been doing for the numérique, the yes. IT stuff, especially concerning evaluation mm -hmm. and the peaks and all of these things that, you know, a lot of times, quite frankly, I know that teachers view it as a kind of a pain in the neck but it's a necessary evil yeah. and we couldn't do it without you so mm -hmm. t tell us a little bit what you've been doing with benjamin and and all that so i have two sides here at the school right right here i'm technology teacher right and also a computer science teacher so it's the one side mm -hmm. and then the other side is that i'm ed tech advisor ed tech like, advisor yeah like educational technology advisor mm -hmm. so it means my job is to help the people at school so people can be like management but the teachers mainly but also the students right. i'm supposed to help the students yeah uh, i haven't time to but uh <laughs> So with Benjamin, we have shared the responsibilities. So is taking care more of humanities and languages, and I'm 
more in sciences. So I'm helping the teachers in that domain and Benjamin is helping in the other fields. I am so grateful that you came in and talked to us. Now, Michael... Thanks for you for having me. Ma me. Michael <laughs> is... It's spelled Michael. Mi yes. Michael. But Michael is... And I didn't, I didn't get the full story on that. We're going to have to talk again. <laughs> Definitely. <laughs> but I just want to close by saying how fantastic it is, I believe, to have somebody like you who comes from experience in a school, from mm -hmm. an educational background, but also from a professional background mm -hmm. with many different interests and skills and real-world experience that benefits us here at our school and all of our students. I think it's really important that we recognize the value of people who have such a diverse parcours, a diverse yeah. path to come mm -hmm. here. And that's really what this podcast is all about, pointing out that there is not one single way to end up doing mm -hmm. what we do. Yeah. And if we all did the same thing to get here, it would be so boring. Mm -hmm. <laughs> exactly. And we wouldn't be able to stand it. So thank you so much for sharing all of this with us. I'm sorry to rush us into a close, but <laughs> I'm sure you, as I, probably have a Yeah. A class to get to within the next three minutes. <laughs> oh, yeah, exactly. <laughs> It's such a pleasure, and I hope we yeah. get to sit down and talk some more like this. Okay, thank you for having me. <laughs> All right, take care. Bye now. Thanks. This has been Parkour Ed with Colin Daly. If you enjoyed today's show, consider giving it a rating on Apple Podcasts. Also, if you'd like to be interviewed or if you have questions about anything, feel free to contact me at colindaly at gmail.com. That's C-O-L-I-N-D-A-I-L-E-Y at gmail.com. <laughs>